Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Good afternoon and welcome. It's the middle of the week Wednesday, so a happy hump day to you and yours on this December 7th, the year 2022. We've got NBA hoops to talk about, college hoops to talk about, and of course, college football and everything in between for the next two hours. So we look forward to it as my main man. My producer, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios. He's spinning the buttons, pushing all the right tunes. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in the beautiful village of Lake Charles. We're streaming around the world. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you got a television set nearby, just pop that bad boy on. You can picture, uh, get a face to the voice because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, we all know that LSU football will be taking on Purdue in the Citrus Bowl. What you may not have known is, as anticipated, they'll be out of a head football coach as their coach, Jeff Brom, is taking over at his alma mater to become the head coach at Louisville finalizing that deal as we speak. He's 51 years young. He would replace Scott Satterfield, who left Louisville on Monday after four seasons to become Cincinnati's head coach. Uh, The the deal is apparently um, for five years and about $30, $35 million, something like that. Um, That's not official yet, uh, but... I can't imagine Jeff Brom coaching in a bowl game. There's no way he's got to get busy with his new club. Uh, So the Boilmakers will be facing LSU in all likelihood with uh, an interim head coach, one of the assistants that's been moved up. Boy, have we seen that before, haven't we? Um, Yes. Uh, So Jeff Brom, the new head coach at Louisville, uh, and not any longer – involved with the Purdue Boilermakers. Shout out to um, one of the greatest athletes. Well, he he is the greatest athlete in the world. And that's um, Louisiana native, Lafayette native, uh, Mondo Duplantis, who was named the World Athlete of the Year for 2022. The World Athlete for the Year. That's that's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. 
Mondo set three world records in the pole vault during the calendar year, winning two global titles and claiming the title in 18 of the 19 competitions that he was in. He won gold at the indoor and outdoor world championships. Um, he was also the European and Diamond League champion. Just uh, just a superstar. Uh, so congratulations to Mondo Duplantis, the athlete of the year. All rise as Aaron Judge and the New York Yankees have reached an agreement, a nine-year, $360 million deal. There were reports and innuendos about him heading to San Francisco to play for the Giants. Now the Yankees up their offer, and Aaron Judge said, now I'm going to stay in the pinstripes. So um, the Yankees had to keep him. Had to, and they're still trying to figure out a way to compete and beat the Houston Astros. Significant blow to the the Super Bowl hopes for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, their big offseason acquisition was linebacker Von Miller. Um, well, Von Miller now is out for the remainder of the season after having surgery for an ACL injury, according to his coach, Sean McDermott, today. He underwent exploratory surgery in Texas on Tuesday, and an ACL injury was found in his right knee. He was placed on injury reserve last Thursday before the game against the New England Patriots. The hope was that he would return this season. But that is not going to be the case. So that's a huge, huge blow and a substantial loss for the Bills in their run in the postseason. So um, they made that splash signing to have that future Hall of Famer in the big moments and to help get that team closer to the Super Bowl. Now they'll face that challenge without him. So um, there you go. You heard about Jack Besh. We talked about that yesterday going into the transfer portal. Um, Demarius McGee, a sophomore cornerback, um, is entering the transfer portal as well. He came to LSU as a highly touted four-star prospect in the 2021 class. He had offers from Bama, Georgia, and others. He saw action in 12 games in 2021, not so much this year, uh, and therefore he's opting out and trying to see where he can go and play. According to my buddy Shay Dixon of on3.com, LSU has extended an offer to Western Michigan defensive tackle Braden Fisk, a grad transfer with 1 year of eligibility remaining. So, uh stay tuned. Stay tuned. LSU needs some depth on that defensive line. We saw what the loss of Mason Smith was, and that was massive uh to LSU, but hopefully He'll, he'll get back and uh, be better than ever before. So, uh, yes. Um, yes, indeed. Um, I, I'm, done, I'm done talking about the New Orleans Saints, their history. Our guest list today, uh, the Pelicans will be taking on the Detroit Pistons tonight. Um, have you seen it? I mean, we always talk about his offensive ability, uh, but we're going to delve into there is D – in Zion, Zion Williams is actually playing some pretty good defense for this New Orleans Pelicans club who um, is right now, you know, the Denver Nuggets um, 
uh, got beat. Phoenix got beat. And right now, um, Phoenix is at 16 and 8. The Pelicans are at 15 and 8, a half a game out of first place in the Western Conference after 23 games. They'll play Detroit tonight, who um, is not a good team. They're 7 and 19. So far, the Pels have beaten the teams that they are supposed to beat. Tonight is another golden opportunity where they can't fall asleep. They just can't because it's a packed race. One through 10 is separated by three and a half games in the Western Conference. And the 10th team right now in that conference are the Golden State Warriors. They're just three and a half games back. So still very early, still a lot of basketball to be played. But, boy, what a difference a year makes. The SEC in hoops, and we'll talk with Adam Spencer from Saturday Down South. Um, right now, Joe Lenardi has uh, seven teams in the field of 68 in their way too early projections. LSU is not one of those teams. They haven't played anybody of any significance of which they can – boost their resume now they get to play wake forest coming up here after final exams and that'll be a good one and then they get thrown into the league and if they can hold their own in the league they'll get into the ncaa tournament but there's some superstar freshmen in this conference and we'll go over what you can expect when league play begins later this month believe it or not um mike huguenin will join us in hour number two it's a hump day edition with huguenin and we'll talk all things college football along the way so that is the lineup for you and for yours don't you love movies i I love movies i really do and if you love movies and you love music boy we got the opportunity for you because the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles wants to hook you up with tickets to a special sneak peek preview of the new whitney houston biopic I want to dance with somebody. That's right. You can see it before anyone else by simply texting Whitney, W-H-I-T-N-E-Y, to 68683. That's Whitney to 68683 to score a pair of tickets for a sneak, special sneak peek preview. December 20th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. It's the I Want to Dance with Somebody sneak preview brought to you by A. Brian's Jewelers and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You know, my the, the greatest singers of all time, Whitney Houston's there to, to me. Um, Barbara Streisand's there for me. She just is. Um, Mariah Carey's pretty darn good. That Christmas song, pretty good uh, for sure. And there's a couple of others, but those three for me are are no-brainers, no-brainers. So um, some of you may have never heard of Barbara Streisand. If you're really, really young, just Google her and listen to her sing. Listen to that voice. Holy cow. Um, okay, we'll take a time out here when we come back. Pels Pistons. This Pelicans team is legit. Legit. Ali Cassell from At The Bird Rights, my good friend, joins us. We're talking some hoops on a Wednesday, December 7th edition of the Jordy Hulpert Show here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We'll be right back. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Hulpert Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. 
Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. All right, 16 minutes after the hour, let's get this bad boy underway with the hottest team around, and that's the New Orleans Pelicans. They've won four in a row, eight of their last 10, and lo and behold, 23 games into the regular season of the 82-game marathon. Right now, they're 15-8 and and just a half a game behind the Phoenix Suns in the Western Conference. Holy cow. That's all I can say. Ali Cassell, the Saints stink. The Pelicans are really good. Yay. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. And thank goodness for that. In years past, when the Saints would get off to kind of bad starts, we'd be like, oh, look, you've got Pelicans basketball to look forward to. And somehow they usually let us down. But this isn't that year, thankfully. No question. Um, what's been the biggest difference? What have you noticed about this club now that we have a good sample size under our belt? I think the biggest thing we've noticed is we were wondering how good is this team, right? Because they got off to a decent start, right? Three and one, but then they were five and five, right? Kind of in the middle of pack. So didn't know where they were going to go. And guess what? They've been spectacular because since that time, they've had the best defense in the NBA. And the offense has been good, too. I think it's about ranked six, right, over the last 13 games. So yeah. I think they're for real. I mean, when you're this far into the schedule, I think you really start to show your true colors because you've had enough games under your belt. And right now the Pelicans have one of the best point differentials. That is something that everybody looks at when you're trying to predict how this team's going to do the rest of the season and, of course, what to expect in the playoffs. So everything's pointing up, Jordy. I mean, and, and think about this. The starters, they've only played 10 games together. The eyes missed eight. Herb's missed six. Zion, five. CJ's been sick, and when, um, even when he's been playing at times. So we're still yet to honestly see their best shot, I think, for a sustained period of time. So everything's on the up and up. Speaking of on the up and up, for as long as he's been here, Zion Williamson has stuck out on the defensive end for all the the wrong <laughs> reasons. He's always been the, yeah. the player that the other team targeted. Um, whoever's Zion's guard, and let's get him the ball, let him go to work. That's not the case anymore. He has really bought in to the defensive end of the court, and that's, I don't know what really Green said or how he did it, but when your best player plays on the other end of the court, that's just a recipe for great success. Jordan, he now deserves to be mentioned as one of the best players in the league, and that's usually reserved for guys that bring it on both ends, right? Kevin Durant, while he's been a great scorer his career, people should understand he's been a great defender. Now it applies to Jason Tatum, um, Jalen Brown, for the longest time, Anthony Davis, right? And, and that was the thing. Would Zion ever play defense? And here he was in year four starting off, and we saw, yeah, offense is still there. He's still spectacular to make a play, get to the basket, get a bucket. Yeah. But defensively, he was just almost a turnstile. But I was told, look, it's going to come. And that was the thing that I hung my hat on saying, look, we've got to give him, what, 40 games. Well, it's taken less than that. And suddenly everything is clicking for the guy. And I'll tell you what, it's not just that he's getting the blocks and steals. It's when they're coming within the games for me, right, during mm-hmm. winning time. I mean, for instance, what was it, the other night, the Pelicans had a big lead on the Raptors, and suddenly they started coming back. All of a sudden, a 31-point lead's only 11. And then, boom, dying a block, a dunk, a steal, a layup, all in succession of possessions. And that goes to show you just how dominant he can really be. And we're finally seeing that. We're seeing Duke Zion for the first time, I think, in the NBA. 
And to your point, uh, Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights, Brandon Ingram's missed the Pels last four games. The Pels are four and O. Oh. Their depth is we've we've touched upon that before. Mm-hmm. Uh, their depth is outstanding. But during that four game winning streak, listen to the numbers. Zion's averaging twenty eight points on sixty four percent shooting, just under ten rebounds, a little over six assists, two steals, and nearly two blocks a night. Wow. That's, that's first team caliber, all NBA right, right the there. Bat. You're that's winning first team. and you're putting up those numbers. Mm. I mean, that that's first team all NBA. And when you think about it, with with Ingram being out and CJ McCollum still hasn't gotten to a rhythm offensively, he's still not shooting like he's normally capable of shooting. The fact that this team is where they are, it's kind of remarkable. Oh, you know. The best in the West, it's up for grabs. Nobody has really separated themselves, right? I mean, the yeah. Suns, they're just half a game above the Pelicans, and then everybody below, they've had all sorts of maladies, whether it's been injuries, just haven't clicked. So the Pelicans, they have the opportunity. They put themselves in a position, right, because of this great talent, because they've gotten some timely contributions. First week, it was B.I. He was incredible. Lately, it's been Zion. Now, if they put it all together, they could go on a serious run. Where I'm talking, they could win, say, maybe 20 of 24 games because that's usually what great teams do. The Warriors did that last year. They got off to such a great start to where they set themselves up for the rest of the season to go uh, into the playoffs with a great seed. I think the Pels, it's coming, where they're going to go on a run like that, just like the Celtics did last year to finish the season. So that's what I want to see. When they get healthy, can you honestly separate yourself from the pack because – that opportunity is there, Jordy. They can really run away with first in the West, I think. Well, okay. well, the West is loaded, though. One through ten, separating the first-place team from the tenth-place team is three-and-a-half games, and that tenth-place team happens to be the Golden State Warriors. And you know what mm-hmm. they're capable uh, of doing. So, yeah, let's get healthy, and let's see what's going on. What kind of challenge uh, does Detroit present? They, they seem to be um, a team that's um, maybe – possibly tanking for the big seven-foot-four Frenchman. They're not very good at all. They got some young players, young, talented players, but they're still, I mean, they're still years away. They are years away, and they're not going to have Cade Cunningham. I mean, that's their best player. I'll tell you what, last night they beat the Miami Heat. A few nights before that, they beat the Dallas Mavericks. So they're not tanking in the sense that they're trying to lose games or the coach is somehow sitting good players. No, they're going out there and competing, and I think – CJ said it best. They're still a, t- a tough squad to beat because they're just young, right? They've got young legs. They're hungry. They can switch. That's something that the Pistons do well. And those are the type of teams you have to worry about that can switch anybody defensively. I mean, you can see Sadiq Bay, their power forward, guarding anybody from Zion to CJ McCollum. They've got Jalen Duran, another great rookie, in addition to Ivy from the last draft that I think is going to become Dwight Howard esque in time. So great talent is there for sure. And of course, Bogdanovich. Right. Utah Jazz, longtime guy, makes the three ball. If he, he, if he catches fire, it presents a little tough of a matchup, right? You got to make sure you're on your game. You can beat them. Kind of, kind of get them discouraged early, right? That's the thing you want to do with young teams and experiencing. Yes. Get them down early, Jordan. If they do that, then yeah. I'll feel pretty confident about a win. Can't take any nights off in the NBA. We see it too many times. Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights. How exciting was that night for Jose Alvarado? I mean, golly, 38 points. The crowd on their feet. Jose, 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 Jose. Ah, That must have been so much fun. 
It was, and it was even bigger because when he entered the game, the Texans were getting smoked. Denver was up 30-16, to 16. all of a sudden here comes Jose, and what's he known for? Defense, right? So maybe you can hope for some momentum there. He comes out and starts hitting threes. I don't think he missed his first shot until his seventh attempt. And before you knew it, he finished with eight made three-pointers. A guy that's known, like I said, just for defense. But he's been telling everybody, I can shoot. Sure enough, he showed it. And I'll tell you what, we witnessed the best performance by an undrafted rookie ever. Yep. Right? Since stats, I think, go back to 1970-71 season. So he's a very special player. You know, He's not just some run-of-the-mill backup or, or a feisty guy like T.J. McConnell. I think he's a lot better than that. So yet, another sign of David Griffin nailing a draft pick, right? You got Herb, we talk about Trey, but Jose deserves just as much accolade. I mean, this classic example for all you kids out there, he's not tall. He just mm-hmm. works and work. He was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. He goes undrafted. The the, the, the Pels find him, and they invite him to, to training camp, and lo and behold, he sticks around. And when, when his opportunity was presented, man, he took advantage of it. And now he is such a such a valuable member. I mean, he's almost like, up, up for sixth man of the year award, I think. You know, if he has a couple more performances like that, yeah. But it's going to take some of those, Jordy, because right now I think he's right at 10 points per game. And I, I hate to say it, but voters, they look at that, right? right so whoever's right, the right. sixth man, you usually got to get at least to the 15 level, right? 15, 16. So yeah, it's but, going to take a lot more games. Value, with the Pelicans his depth, value to the club is, is, is so much more than, than the points. His value is, is yes. oh, off without the charts. A doubt. Yeah, Jordy, without a doubt, look, he's one of the locker room leaders. Anytime that the team's struggling, it seems like, and he's in that reserve role, I feel like almost every time he comes in, he gives them a lift. That gives them a chance to come back and win a game. You need players like that, but they're rare. But they've got one, a good one in him. Um, Jackson Hayes, is he going to be around much longer? No, I don't think so. I mean, sure, you can finish off the year with him um, and just don't extend, so he basically walks. And the only reason you do that is because nobody else wants them, right? So I think that's a realistic scenario. But overall, yeah, it's just been disappointing. But I will say that over the last week or so, I have noticed him staying after practice, working on his shot. I have seen Trajan Langdon pulling him aside before a game, talking to him. And, and it wasn't just, um, how are you doing? You could tell it was some kind of motivational pep talk because of the animation that Trajan showed. Mm-hmm. Then I saw Griff yesterday in practice doing the same thing with Jackson. So I'm not sure if they're trying to prepare him for whether, you know, a trade or just trying to get him out of his funk, trying to shake him and say, look, this is maybe your last chance with us. You've got to ship up. Well, at least I'm seeing signs that maybe he will. But from based on the last three and a half years, Joe Jordan, I don't hold out hope, right? He's had so many opportunities given to him, and he hasn't seized any of them. So I wish the best for him. He's a great guy, but he's just not a Jose Alvarado or Herb, a guy that fits with this locker room because of his mentality. It would be best for both parties. It would be best for him to get a, a, a new lease on life somewhere. I think um, so. It would be better for the, the Pels because maybe you get something in return for it. it. When you look at this roster, and I've said this before, and I'm going to ask you, chem- chemistry in professional sports is so rare. And so mm-hmm. when you've got it, man, it is so significant. And this team legitimately, honestly looks like they have it. If you could 
and, and you don't want to flirt with that. You don't want to disrupt that. But if there was a, a type of a player, I'm not asking you for a specific name, but a type of a player, a style of a player that you think would take this club and elevate it even higher, would there be a type of player that would present that? Yeah, I do. Because while we all love Jonas, we all love Billy Hernan Gomez, they still don't provide that one biggest thing I think the Pelicans are missing, and that's you know just a super rim deterrent. Somebody that not only can guard centers, but can when on switches, he can go ahead and stick with a small forward, right? Okay. Won't lose him. And that was the hope for Jackson Hayes. That's why it's so disappointing how he hasn't panned out. But Pelicans need that guy because we've seen it in, in the past. Like the Celtics last year, they were great, but I'll tell you what, Robert Williams was a big part of their success because no he was doubt. able to be that last line of defense. And yeah. while the Pelicans' defense is great, they don't have that last line of defense. And you'll notice, look at the stats. Pelicans, while they don't allow the opponents too many times near the rim, when the opponent does get there, they score the ball very well. They're very efficient. Pelicans are one of the worst. So that's where I think they could ship up or shape up the uh, roster yeah. a little bit more. So whether that's like a Miles Turner, um, I don't know who else would become available. Maybe Nick Claxton if Brooklyn Nets went south. You know, just that, those type of names. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's one thing you can't coach is that is that size. Either you got it or you don't. Um, and that certainly makes you better defensively on what is arguably one of the better defensive clubs uh, in the NBA to date as they're giving up 110 points a night, which is uh, right up there with the best of the best. So that's pretty darn good. All right, let's get a win tonight. Let's get to 16 and 8. And then we'll really find out because we have back-to-back coming up. Um with the Phoenix Suns, both inside the Smoothie King Center. And that's when, as you said, that's when you have the potential to go on a road and kind of separate yourself from others. So some big games coming up for this club. And, uh, boy, they're right in the thick of it, which, you know, from the past, we never were able to say that. But we can say it definitely and definitively right here, right now. Yeah, Jordy, the last time they were 16-8, you got to go all the way back to 2008-9. So that was coming off the season where they had the best season of franchise history, right? Won yep. 57 games, got yep. within a game of making the Western Conference Finals. Yep. The following year was pretty good, too. But that's the kind of footing they're on right now. And they can, go, they can take that step up. Because after the Pistons, boy, if you could take care of the Suns, win two of the three that are coming up, but suddenly you're probably going to be in first, and you can really solidify that spot by spot by taking care of the Jazz, which are back-to-back. So, big slate of games. We'll know just how well this team's playing, but how well they fare over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that, that club had what this club has. That club had chemistry, and then the front office mm-hmm. stuck their nose in there, and i never forget it. We're in Oklahoma City, and um, the word came down where Tyson Chandler was getting traded, and I I could see David West. I could see Chris Paul. I was right there with him, and they said, well, this isn't college anymore. This is a business, and we got to start looking out for ourselves. And when that Mm -hmm. took place, that changed everything. So, um, like I said, back to that story. Chemistry in the professional game is so rare and when you've got it man you got to hold on to it ollie uh enjoy the ball game tonight uh the six 15 and 8 pelicans taking on the 7 and 19 detroit pistons so let's get a w man and the good thing about the pels this year they're beating the teams that they're supposed to be yeah. we've never been able to say that 
Right. They're winning home games, um, and they're beating teams that they should beat. That's yeah. when you've always wondered, well, how good is this team? Well, every time we think they were decent, then they would show us they weren't. This year so far, it's been everything's been positive on that end. So they should beat the Pistons, yes. And then we can move it. on from there. You're the best. Ali, happy holidays, and thank you so much for your time, as always. Love talking hoops with you, buddy. Love it. Absolutely, Jordy. You know I love talking the same uh, NBA basketball with you all the time as well. Thanks, man. We'll, we'll catch up. Thank you so much. Ali Cassell at The Bird Rights. The game wants the stuff you're stocking with a $500 Visa gift card. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes presented by Armentar Jewelers. Simply enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $500 Visa gift card. It's that easy. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes powered by Armentar Jewelers. And the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Adam Spencer, Saturday down south, when we return to the Jordy Helper Show here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. We are back 37 minutes after the hour on this Wednesday, December 7th. Look, football um, got a little break from college football in the sec we know who the final four is we know where all the teams are going bowling but we haven't talked much about sec basketball conference play is less than a month away so let's get you caught up to speed on what's going in in the round ball department and no one better than my main man adam spencer from saturday down south adam happy holidays buddy how are you I'm doing great, Jordy. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm terrific. Um, I love talking. I love talking all sports. I love talking hoops. We got three undefeated teams in the SEC, um, and maybe maybe it's not always the ones that you think. But Missouri's there. Mississippi State is there. Auburn is there. They may not be the best teams in the conference, but right now they're unbeaten. Uh, what has stood out to you about SEC basketball? in this infancy stage of the season? Um, yeah, so far, it's been the the just elite freshman play. Like This has a chance to be one of the greatest freshman classes in uh, SEC history, I think. You know, Brandon Miller okay. there at Alabama is uh, looking like a superstar. He was, uh, he was leading the conference in scoring there for a bit, but then uh, Ricky Council overtook him there. Ricky Council plays for Arkansas. They are, they just got Nick Smith Jr. back, and I mean, in 24 minutes the other night, he put up 16 points and uh, you know looked really smooth with the ball. Anthony Black was the breakout star of the Maui Invitational. He's a freshman. Uh, you know, Jordan Walsh we're still waiting for, but he's got plenty of potential. Then you you know you move to some of these other schools too. Um, you know, Tennessee has Julian Phillips that it's waiting on. Uh, you know, there's 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 just so much talent. And in the league this year at the at the freshman level, uh, and it, it's been Gigi Jackson at South Carolina. You know, South Carolina is not even a great team. They're going to struggle to finish with a winning record in SEC play, and I, I don't think that they're going to come close to a winning record in SEC play. But Gigi Jackson might be a 
might be a lottery pick the way he's playing. So it, that's what stood out to me early on is just these elite freshmen who are just dominating yeah. so early. Kayson Wallace at Kentucky. Too. That's the one. That's the one I really like. He doesn't put up the biggest numbers, but for that Kentucky team, um, man, he can knock it down from downtown. Uh, he's averaging eleven points a game. He he's pretty darn good. Yeah, and he's uh, he's calm in clutch moments. You know, he hit a deep three in London to to clinch the win over uh, over Michigan. Uh, he's tenacious on defense. You know, he's he's just he's up in your face. He's not letting you. T- he's not making anything easy for uh, for opponents this year. Um, and you know, I, I just think that John Calipari needs to trust him a little bit more. Give him the ball in these situations because he's a guy who has the size to get into the lane and finish through contact. He's a guy who can make the pass. He's a guy who can create his own shot off the dribble and is a better three-point shooter than Severe Wheeler. So, you know, I would trust him down the stretch in these clutch situations, and I just think that, you know, this is a mistake that Calipari's teams have made before. You know, he's had Tyrese Maxey. He's had Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He's had uh, Ty Ty Washington. These are all guys that, uh, you know, could can – thrive with the ball in their hands late and uh, you know with Maxi and Washington in particular you know he had uh, Ashton Hagen mm-hmm. that Maxi year and uh, he had Severe Wheeler last year for Washington and he had Severe Wheeler again this year for Wallace and uh, you know I just think he put the ball in the wrong guy's hands down the stretch Hmm, very good. I love Adam Spencer Lights. Uh, Joe Lenardi's got uh, seven uh, in their way too early um, field of uh, 68, seven clubs. Ole Miss and Florida just missed the field in the next four out. Um, I don't think LSU's played anybody yet, even though their record's good. They haven't played anybody yet to warrant um, any kind of recognition along those lines. We'll see because the beginning of their SEC schedule is brutal. Oh, brutal. But back to those unbeaten teams with Adam Spencer from Saturday down south. It's quite the quite the dichotomy because you got a team like Missouri, who you know and love. They're 9-0. They shoot three balls like crazy. Mississippi State, on the other hand, doesn't let you shoot threes. They're the best defense in the league, just giving up under 50 points a game. So it's just kind of, I wonder which is more sustainable, the team that shoots a lot of threes and makes them or a team that just plays really good defense? Um, you know, I, I think that uh, Mizzou is going to be susceptible to uh, some shooting slumps here. Um, you know, defense, you know, we're seeing it with Tennessee. Um, defense plays against anybody. You know, it's going to yeah. be an interesting uh, style difference that we have here because Mizzou hosts rival Kansas on Saturday in Columbia. That's Ooh. a huge game that I'm super yeah. excited to see. But, uh, you know, if the if the Jayhawks defense this is going to be the best team that, you know, credit to Mizzou for going on the road and winning at Wichita State. That's never an easy place to win. But uh, this is a step up in class from that. So a major step up. So, you know, we'll see. It's, it's a home court thing. So I think that they can stay in it uh, and keep things competitive. But, uh, you know, that's going to be a big test for them. But, you know, when you when you play elite defense, it plays anywhere. You know, that's that's the case with Mississippi State. It's the case with Tennessee. Uh, and then it's just about can you score enough? And, uh, you know, Tennessee has been improving offensively lately, uh, which is good because they were struggling. You know, they, they lost that their second game against Colorado. That was a bad loss. But uh, but so far, you know, they've turned that around. Mississippi State hasn't really played the toughest competition yet. But, uh, you know, we'll see if that continues.
continues into SEC play if they can continue to play some of the best defense in the country. Um, so, you know, Mizzou gets tested this weekend. Auburn plays Memphis in Atlanta. Um, Memphis has already beaten Ole Miss and Vanderbilt this year, so uh, we'll see if the Tigers can keep the Memphis Tigers from going 3-0 and against SEC competition. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of intriguing games this weekend. Uh, you know, we best, haven't even talked about best, Alabama at Houston the, yet. The best game is, um, can Alabama knock off the number one team in the country again? They did it to North Carolina in four overtimes. This Saturday, they're at Houston with the Cougs being the number one team in the country. How about that for uh, some LSU? Are you listening to me? Are They play really good teams in the non-conference. Do it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's that was the case last year. I mean, we remember last year when uh, Alabama knocked off three of the previous year's four uh, Final yep. Four teams. So, you know, they, they like to test themselves in non-conference play. So, uh, And this team looks like it's a lot more consistent than last year's uh, than last year's Alabama team is. And I think that that's going to you know make life easier on Nate Oates and, uh, and everybody on that roster moving forward. But uh, yeah, I, I really like this Alabama team, and I wouldn't be surprised if they go in there and win. You know, obviously – Obviously, that win over North Carolina doesn't look as good now because the right. Tar Heels have fallen from number one out of the top 25 entirely. But I think when the season ends, they'll be looking a little bit better um, than they do right now. And they might be, I think that North Carolina has the talent to get back into the top 15 this year. So, you know, we'll see. But uh, yeah, Alabama, they're giant killers. And we'll see if that continues in a tough road environment this year. Adam Spencer from Saturday Down South. We always talk about the emphasis of football in the Southeastern Conference and how significant coaching hires are. Um, Hugh Freeze going to Auburn, for instance, um, one of those type of things. Um, how, do you, how, how, how do you feel about the SEC men's basketball hires? Is it is it equivalent now to the hiring of the football uh, coaches inside the league? Yeah, I think that the, the, it, it is. I mean, guys want to come here. You know, coaches want to come to the SEC. I mean, not just guys either. You guys just hired uh, Kim Mulkey down there at LSU. So, right. you know, this All is right. a league. This is a league that uh, that the top coaches want to come test themselves in on a on a week to week basis. And it's not just in football. It's it's in men's hoops. It's in women's hoops. You know, it, it's it's the deep. I, I think it's one of the deepest leagues in men's hoops this year uh, obviously you know you have the champions in south carolina on the women's side uh, you know football obviously every year uh, it, yeah. just, it just seems like these other conferences just get embarrassed by the sec so you know it, it is it, it's getting you know they're they're getting the top the top guys and they're paying you know the the premium for it but uh, they have the money to go around and that's going to continue and so the top talent uh, is going to continue to flock the SEC in all sports, really. Still, everybody thinks of, when you think of SEC basketball, the first word that comes out of anybody's mouth is Kentucky, because year in, year out, that's the team that is expected. Um, it, it is a, quote, unquote, basketball school, despite what uh, Coach Stoops had to say when Calipari said that. It is. It, what's the next best program of sustainability in SEC basketball? Ooh, I mean, right now it's tough to argue against uh, against Arkansas. You know, the, okay. the, the way that Coach Musk has them playing on a, you know, 
they've made the deepest tournament runs in the SEC the past two years. You know, they, they're recruiting at a high level. He's pulling guys out of the transfer portal that uh, become stars right away. So, you know, I, I rank Arkansas too, but I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a good time to be an SEC basketball uh, coach. Yeah. At these, you know, Tennessee is a sustainable program. Auburn yeah. has had a sustained run of success under Bruce Pearl. Alabama is trending that way under Nate Oates. You know, there's just there's so much uh, reason for optimism at some of these top mm-hmm. schools here. You know, and then there's the their hopes that Matt McMahon, there's the hopes that Dennis Gates, you know, some of these new hires can uh, can start to fill those gaps uh, and. Uh, and start to make the league even better and deeper. And uh, I mean, there's just there's not going to be very many easy games going forward no. uh, in SEC play because I mean, Mike White, you know, the ceiling is a mid-tier SEC team with him, but uh, that is like that's much better than Georgia was under Tom Crean. So he's got yeah. them playing competent basketball already. So they're not going to be an easy out this year either. We think of Vanderbilt when it's in football. Who's the Vanderbilt of SEC basketball? Unfortunately, right now it's Vanderbilt. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, uh, you know they they've done a good job in the past few years. It seems like they've always had a star on their team. You know they went from Darius Garland, you know, and, right. and Aaron Neesmith and uh, and Scottie Pippen Jr. And uh, now this year's team just doesn't really doesn't really have that. Um, you know, I, I just think that. Uh, you know, Jerry Stackhouse is going to have to hit the portal this offseason, hit the recruiting trails. He's got to find that guy that can be somebody that wants to, that other guys want to come play alongside. And we'll see if uh, we'll see if he can do it. But I, I think that this is this has the potential to be a long year in SEC play for <laughs> Ole Miss, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. Uh, Stack needs to kind of chill out on the bench a little bit, man. He's going, he's going off on these refs. He's got to be careful, man. He's, woo, his temper, man. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's uh, not going to hold back very many of his feelings. So, you know, we'll, we'll see if he can, uh, if he can uh, fire up his team to play with some of that same energy. I got to ask you one football question: uh, the odds that Stetson Bennett has a chance to win the Heisman? You give him any odds? I I don't um, you know I I think that uh, he'll have you know maybe like a one percent chance just because he's the he's got a national title under his belt and uh, you know he led the Bulldogs to another undefeated season but uh, you know I I still think that this I think that this comes down to uh, Caleb Williams or Max Duggan um, you know I think that uh, C J Stroud and uh, Stetson Bennett are just there for filler a little bit um, so but uh, you know I. And then if anybody's guess, you know, I don't know. Caleb Williams kind of struggled in that final game against Utah, which yeah. wasn't great. But, uh, but you know, Max Duggan, you know, his numbers don't necessarily match up with Caleb Williams. But uh, the heart that he showed in that uh, Big 12 title game, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he snuck, snuck out the win at the last second here. Well, you got me fired up about SEC hoops. I think it's going to be one heck of a season. Um, I hope they don't uh, – um, destroy themselves from within and we can get as many teams as possible inside this tournament but i think it'll be good and why don't sleep on my tigers just yet let's see what they do when they start playing against good teams um i think they might surprise us a little bit we'll see but adam spencer from saturday down south always fun talking with you man thank you so much yeah thanks for having me jordy i'll talk to you soon
You got it, my friend. I really appreciate it. Adam Spencer, Saturday down south. If you're looking for great stocking stuffers this holiday season, look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com it's free it's simple so go sign up today we'll be back to wrap up our number one next they say shooters shoot he's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots and no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the blonde bomber Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Now, you know, your Alexa or Google Home speaker helps you out around the house. It allows you to control your lights, your thermostats, so much more. It's amazing. But did you know you can also play the game? Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, at your home, everywhere you go. Coming up, hour number two, Michael Huguenin will join us. Hump day with Huguenin, my my thesaurus for college football analysis. He knows it all, and he'll share it all in hour number two. So stick around. Uh, Much more to come. This is the Jordy Helper Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Citrus Bowl-bound LSU Tigers. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Uh, the winter meetings are heating up. Welcome to our number two here on the Jordy Helpert Show. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite, spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons, making sure everything's running smoothly. He's on right there, the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in the lovely city of Lake Charles. We're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to have a television set and you're in the Acadia, area well you can pop on that tv get the face to the voice because we're simulcast on stadium 32.3 and 133 on lus fiber big story nationally all rise because aaron judge has re-signed with the new york yankees a nine-year deal for 360 million dollars there's a report out there that said the san diego padres bid for aaron judge was even higher than the yankees which was kind of basically similar to what the san francisco giants had offered uh the bidding was out there um padres have had 
blockbuster deals in recent years. The Padres apparently offered Judge a 10-year, $400 million deal. And um, marks the second time in a matter of days that the Padres made a huge offer to a top free agent only to see them sign elsewhere. They tried to do the same thing with Trey Turner. He opted instead to sign with the Phillies uh, for $300 million or $42 million less than what he would have received with San Diego. Have you ever been to San Diego where it never rains and the climate is just beautiful? Um, anyway, anyway, um, we'll see. The other story of the day involving it, it's kind of near and dear to LSU uh, because we all know they're playing Purdue in the Citrus Bowl. Well, um, Purdue's going to be without their coach because Louisville is finalizing the deal with Jeff Brom. Brom will leave for his hometown Louisville program after six seasons at Purdue. He's led the Boilermakers to a 36-34 record across those six years with a 17-9 mark over the last two seasons and an appearance in the Big Ten championship game following this regular season. Uh, he was a quarterback for the Cardinals. He was an assistant at Louisville for six seasons under Bobby Petrino and Steve Cragthorpe. Um, he was the uh, quarterback's coach, assistant head coach, passing game coordinator, offensive coordinator. He's basically done it all, and he's going back home. He's expected to earn a contract averaging around $6 million over six seasons. Um, so... The Boilermakers will be in search of a new coach as the program comes off its first ever Big Ten West title. Uh, so there'll now be three new coaches within that division uh, as Matt Rule has taken over at Nebraska and Luke Fickle has taken over at Wisconsin. So uh, there'll be an interim head coach uh, coaching the Boilermakers in their bowl game against LSU as the Tigers trying to get to 10, 10 wins, 10 wins. Yes. Um, if you had some stock on the, um, Buffalo, uh, excuse me, the San Francisco 49ers, uh, don't despair because apparently there's some good news on the Jimmy Garoppolo front. Um, you know, it's not as bad as they expected it to be. Um, and they expect that uh, Jimmy, uh, with that foot injury, will be back come playoff time. So the 49ers just kind of have to hold the rope, hold ship, and uh, we shall see uh, what happens. Uh, in the meantime, the 49ers have added um, Josh Johnson off the Denver Broncos practice squad. Um, so he's been – this is a guy. Holy cow. This is a guy now. He's been with an NFL record 14 teams – 14. He's a guy who attended the University of San Diego. Um, he'll be the number two quarterback behind Brock Purdy. Um, he was an original, originally a fifth round pick of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's been with an NFL record, 14 different franchises during his career. He's also spent time in other professional leagues, such as the Alliance of American Football and the XFL. Um, Jim Harbaugh originally brought Johnson to the Bay in 2012. 
14 teams. Holy cow. Now, from that one story to another, there's a high school out in California called Granada Hills Charter, and it's got its sights set on a state football title, but they've got a really different formula from winning than any of their other competitors and maybe any other team in the country. They finished the regular season 11-2. and two. Their offense broke 40 points in 10 games, including a 44-7 win in the Section Division I championship. They've exceeded 50 points in six games, and they scored more than 60 points twice. What makes this school so unique is that they're 11 and 2 and playing for a state championship and they haven't completed a pass all season long. Not one pass has been completed. Their senior quarterback Dijon Stanley went 0 for 2 on throws this season. Freshman Isaac Delgado went 0 for 5. And the coach said, you know what? We're 0 for 7. We're not going to try to get 0 for 8. Instead, they went to the ground. And boy, can they run the football. To score that many points, um, that is amazing. In total, Granada Hills has rushed for 5,412 yards, an average of 416 yards per game, and 75 touchdowns. Now, the defense special teams have also scored. Um, so, uh, Dijon does it all. He runs it. He had a pick six, a punt return touchdown, kickoff return touchdown, 11 successful two-point conversions. They've done it all. Wow. So now they've got uh, one game to go, and we'll see if the team that just runs it, you know, there's that team that never never punts, goes for it on fourth down all the time, never punts, never kicks field goals. They just go for it. I don't think I've ever heard of a team that's never completed a pass all season long, and they're playing for a state championship. Good luck to Granada Hills. Quite the story. My goodness gracious. Uh, Michael Huguenin will join us in this hour here shortly, and we'll go over uh, all things college football. We call it football, and we call it soccer. Across the pond, they call it football, and the World Cup is back. And, of course, you can watch the thrilling action on Delta Media's Telemundo Lafayette free over the air on KLWB Channel 50.3 and Cox Channel 19. For Lake Charles listeners, World Cup fans can watch on Telemundo Lake Charles free over the air on Channel 19.2 and suddenly Channel 137. That's thrilling World Cup action right here on Delta Media. Uh, said it in hour number one. I'll say it in hour number two. A shout out to uh, Mondo Duplantis. What a, what an athlete and what a career this young man uh, has already had. Uh, and today he is recognized um, as the greatest male athlete in the world. Um, a track a track and field star. Um, who uh, 
broke record in his event multiple times in 2022. He's earned the honors of from the World Athletics, the international govern bo governing body for the sport. Duplantis, of course, from Lafayette. He went to LSU, had a cup of coffee there, and he said, you know what? And you can't blame him. I'm going overseas. I'm going to make money, and I'm going to pole vault, and I'm going to be the best in the world. He set three world records in the pole vault during this calendar year, winning two global titles and claiming the title in 18 of 19 competitions. He cleared the magical six-meter mark of 19 feet, eight and a quarter inches, a total of 23 times this year. He won the gold in the indoor and outdoor world championships, upping his own world record in the ladder meet to 20 feet, four and a half inches. Where track and field is, is revered, he was the European and the Diamond League champion, the best of the best mondo duplantis the world male athlete of the year wow what what a talent what and there's no telling how high he can fly um all right we will take a time out but first you know you can listen to all your favorite Christmas classics or local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. That's nonstop Christmas music 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. You can listen live at lachristmaschannel.com or download the free mobile app on both Apple and Android devices and listen on your Amazon Alexa. So listen to some holiday cheer with the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Michael Huguenin of uh, on3.com, all things college football. When we return, here on the Jordy Heltberg Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for sports in southwest Louisiana. Uh oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Michael Huguenin, happy holiday season to you and yours. How are you, my friend? Uh, doing, uh, doing quite well. Regular season's over. Now we know the final four. We know all the bowl games. Um, golly, what, 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 how would you rate this college football season? I think it's been uh, an A. I think you had a, a, a bunch of uh, big-time surprises like TCU. Yeah. Um, USC's one-season turnaround, which also encompasses what TCU did. Uh, yeah. Michigan, once again, is better than people thought they were going to be. Alabama did not win the SEC, which is always sort of uh, eye-opening. Um, yeah. Oklahoma struggled uh, with a first-year coach. Florida struggled with a first-year coach. LSU didn't struggle with a first-year coach. North Carolina got back on the beam with, uh, I think, the most talented player in the nation. Uh, he's not going to win the Heisman, obviously, but I still think Drake May is is quite good. Um, and, uh, yeah, and the fact that, that we're four days from the Heisman announcement and I have zero idea who's going to win, and that's always that's interesting true. as well. So uh, I think this was a really entertaining college football season. 
you know, if you go and I, I know how people are, when, when were the votes for the Heisman due in after all the conference? Yeah, Monday, games? Monday at five o'clock. When was it? Monday, this past Monday, at, uh, two days ago at 5 p.m. Two days ago. So everybody kind of got a look at um, these quarterbacks that are going to be in there. I, I think the kid from TCU wins it. I think Duggan, he is obviously a finalist. Um, I, I think Caleb Williams, it was his to win. I don't think he's going to win it. I think that his performance, and yes, he got hurt, uh, yeah. but USC lost by basically three touchdowns. I think if TCU had won, Duggan would go into this weekend as the favorite. I don't think he's the favorite now. Um, Stetson Bennett, I'm surprised he's a finalist. He's not even the best player on Georgia's offense, right. much less the entire team. And right. then the other finalist is what C.J. Stroud, um, beat, beat by like crazy of, by Michigan the last time we saw him. Right, and plus he had three of his uh, final five games. He threw one or fewer touchdown passes. So TCU um, wins it. I really do. I, that's a that's a that's a darn good question. Um, yeah, darn good question. Again, I'm, I have zero idea. Um, I'm a little bit surprised Michael Penix from Washington isn't at the ceremony. Um, okay. Even in their two losses, he played magnificent football. Uh, that wasn't necessarily the case for Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams had a couple of blah games. Michael Penix had zero blah games. Hmm. Uh, well, we shall see. It's kind of the first time in a while. It's I mean, you could flip a coin and we'll see. I, if I had to bet a Diet Coke, I'm going with um, – Duggan from TCU because the last memory is of him single-handedly yeah, getting that his team back in the game and, and, and they, they got the Phillips head screwdriver on um, the touchdown. They should have won the game. Gritty, um, making big play after big play. Got pounded on all game. Yeah. Um, he And again, I think if they had won that game, he, he would have been the conquering hero. Um, but also, you know, the emotion he showed afterwards. Yes. Um, yes. I, I think in an increasingly business-like era of college sports, that the works. idea that somebody could be that emotional um, is actually a positive and a good thing. Yep. And I think he sort of – his is a heartwarming story. He did not start the season as the starter. He was the backup. Yep. And then the guy yep. got hurt in the first game, and he took over and never looked back. Stetson Bennett uh, is the quarterback on the best team in the country. I just who was that quarterback that won the Heisman from Nebraska that we all kind of scratched our head about? Like yeah, Aaron um, Crouch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, and then oh, his okay. team ended up getting blown out in the in the national title game. I don't yeah. think Georgia is going to suffer that fate. But again, no. if you know if you if you had a draft of Georgia's offensive players, Brock Bowers would be unanimous number one. Yep. And he plays on the same side of the ball as, as Stetson Bennett. And, right. yeah, Stetson Bennett's a nice story as well. But the idea that he's the best college football player in the nation, he's not even no. the best quarterback in the SEC, much less best player. That's right. That's right. Um, those people that are saying Alabama's done, they'll never be the same again. Now it's Georgia is the new Alabama. Have you written Alabama off? No, no. I mean, <laughs> You know, we we talked a couple times this season. If Jamison Williams doesn't get hurt in the national title game, I'm not convinced Georgia wins. And yeah. if John Mechie and Jamison Williams finish the season healthy, Alabama would have won the national title because um, they show what they could do to Georgia 
uh, in the SEC championship game last year. And, you know, this year's team was a disappointment. <laughs> they're 10-2 and two and they finished fifth in the nation and they're a disappointment. Right. Um, but he, you know, Saban is the greatest who's ever done it. Um, they're going to bring in a big-time recruiting class. Uh, I think they're going to be extremely active at certain positions in the portal. They're not mm-hmm. going to certainly, you know, do what LSU did last season, last offseason, or USC did last offseason, and bring in double-digit transfers. But I can see Alabama, again, going in and getting five or six guys that can help right away. Um, Alabama is still, the, the, I think, the gold standard for college football. Yes, Georgia is the defending titleist. And, yes, they have a chance to go back-to-back. But until they do that, I'm not prepared to say they're the preeminent right. program in the nation right now. And this league has gotten so good because the level of quarterback play has gotten so good. There's going to be a lot of quarterbacks that are going to leave uh, that will open up positions, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, just to name a few. Uh, it's always interesting. Who do you replace how do you how do you replace a Bryce Young? My God, he was so good. Yeah, that's and I think you, you mentioned four teams. I think Georgia, Florida, and Alabama need to find their new quarterbacks in the transfer portal. I think Tennessee is going to ride with Joe Milton early next season, and okay. then let uh, Nicholas Imaliva uh, take over. I think they think that highly of Imaliva. Um, but if you're Alabama, you cannot go into the season with Milrow as your starter. Um, I don't know if there's another quarterback on Georgia's – well, Carson Beck is not a quarterback who can lead Georgia to an SEC title. Uh, mm-hmm. Florida doesn't have a quarterback on the roster right now. They're going to start a walk-on in the bowl game. Um, they need a quarterback from the portal. And given the amount of good quarterbacks already in the portal, I think there's going to be a handful more that enter. Um, you know, last year 47% of the SEC BS starters at quarterback in game one were transfers. I wow. think that number climbs above 50 uh, wow. in the fall of 2023, and I think Florida, Georgia, and Alabama are all going to have transfer starters next fall. Wow. Michael Huguenin with On3.com giving us the numbers. Um, I believe personally Jaden Daniels is coming back to LSU um, for another year. I think he needs some more work. I think – if he does and he continues to improve, he could really improve his draft stock, which puts brings up the question. If he does that, I, I think Garrett Nussmeyer hits the portal. And I think that I think there's a lot of SEC schools that would uh, would really love to have him as their quarterback. Yeah, Nussmeyer's talented. And that's the, you know, coaches, you and I talk about this, the, the, the rise in coaching salaries. Um, it's a lot harder now than it was to be a college coach even five years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Roster management is yeah. extremely – it's always been, I think, sort of hard to do, but I think now it's extremely difficult. You're right. I think if you're a dispassionate LSU fan, do you want to go into next season with a guy who's going to be a fifth-year starter in college or a guy who has a really high ceiling but really hasn't played? And that's the difference between Nussmeyer and Daniels. So, again, Nussmeyer might have a higher ceiling than Daniels, but, man, Daniels at times this year was magnificent. Yeah. And if, if, if Jaden Daniels were not at LSU this season, they would not have won the SEC West. I fully, no I fully believe that. Um, yeah. He put up um, – the offensive line was shaky a lot. 
The running game was not consistent. Um, mm-hmm. The receivers were pretty good, um, and I think they'll be better next year. With uh, you know, the longer you're on a college campus, I think the better you get, and th- yeah. that's going to be a very interesting storyline to follow the next couple weeks. Is Jaden Daniels going to be the starter next year, and what does that mean for Garrett Nussmeyer and even Jamie Howard? All these bowl games. I mean, it's just. I mean, not only do you have to worry about the transfer portal, you have to worry about opt outs. You don't know who you're going to have to play in these bowl games. It's a. It's a different. It's a whole different world than what you and I were used yes. to ten years ago. Right. Exactly. Ten years ago. And I'll be honest. If I'm, if I'm an LSU fan, what's more important to me, the transfer portal acquisition of players? the high school recruiting acquisition of players for the early signing period or the bowl game, I put in the bowl game last. Yeah. Because yes. this, I think you and I talked about this before. I know we did last year. So many good star players are going to opt out, and I don't think anybody can blame them when millions of dollars are on the line. I think mm-hmm. the only, you know, only thing you got to do is bring up Notre Dame's Jalen Smith. He would have been a first-round pick blew out his knee in a bowl game that really didn't mean anything, and right. he never recouped those millions of dollars he lost. So you can't begrudge players who sit out. Um, but I also think that, yes, coaches are juggling, okay, we got to go into the portal and get X players at these positions. we got to make sure our recruiting class is wrapped up and nobody defects at the last minute, and maybe we can pull a – we can flip somebody from another team's commitment list that we really want. And, oh, yeah, yeah we also got to have 15 practices before our bowl, our bowl game. But, yeah, if I'm a Power 5 coach in a, at a major Power 5 school, I'm more worried about the transfer portal and the recruiting than I am about bowl practices. Yeah, Notre Dame's tight end Michael Meyer, the best in the business at his position. He's not going to play in the bowl game. He's skipping uh, and declaring for the NFL draft. I'm with you. But then there's that power of the NFL of the NIL. If you had told me, despite the the fact that he had a down year, that Kayshawn Booty was coming back to LSU, right. I'd have said there ain't no way on God's green earth. But he sure as heck is. And I think that that is the way NIL is supposed to work. Um, yeah. You're not, you know, again, as I said earlier, the longer you stay in college, generally the vast majority of players improve at least incrementally every year. So Booty being back on campus next year, yeah, he's going to become a little bit more refined as a route runner. Um, he probably can, you know, his, the strength and conditioning will get even in better shape. It would be presumably his second year working with Jaden Daniels and communication between a receiver and a quarterback's always important. And with the advent of NIL, um, you know, before it's, you know, you, you go to the, everybody goes to college to get ready for their future, their future life and to make sure they can earn as much money as they can. The same thing with football players. But if I can stay in college for an extra year and be promised between a half million and a million bucks and get better and improve my NFL draft stock, that's going to be extremely appealing to a lot of kids. You know, there's a lot of folks out there who remember fondly their college days. I don't know why, you know, college football players are the same. They're 19 and 20 and 21-year-old dudes having a lot of fun. Yes, yeah. there are some that don't like to go to class and don't like all the, 
the accoutrements that come with playing college football, and that's fine. But I think the vast majority of college football players are exactly like the vast majority of anybody who goes to college. They're enjoying themselves while they're young, and they don't have to work for a living. And NFL, that's working for a living. So if you can put that off and still get paid and get better at your craft, yeah, a lot of kids are going to do that. I'm with you. He's Mike Huguenin on 3.com. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, um, LSU will be playing Purdue. They won't have their head coach because he's going to Louisville, but we'll get the 4 one on uh, the Boilermakers. The Raging Cajuns are playing Houston. Houston's got the best team in the country in basketball. What are they like in football? The Thesaurus. That's your nickname now. The th- you're, you are the th- Thesaurus. Of all things college athletics, that's Mike Huguenin on 3.com after this timeout. Stay with us. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We are back and we continue our conversation with On3.com's Michael Huguenin. We call it Hump Day with Huguenin on this Wednesday, December the 7th. LSU will be taking on Purdue. LSU wins the SEC West. Purdue wins the Big Ten West. LSU is going to keep their coach, but uh, the coach for Purdue uh, is leaving to go to Louisville. Coach Brom is going back to where um, where his roots are. What, what are your thoughts there, Mike? Because he turned them down earlier a couple of years ago, and now he's uh, second time at the well. He's going back. Yeah, on the face of it, it makes sense because he is, like you said, a Louisville alum uh, and has a lot of ties to the state of Kentucky, a lot of ties to Louisville. Okay. Um, but take a half step back, and the ACC, uh, among the five Power Five leagues, uh, I, I think clearly and distinctly was the fifth best this year. Um, mm-hmm. And they're, the Big Ten is always going to be first or second, and probably second, because um, they got more money to spend because their TV deal is vastly, 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 you can't say vastly enough, better than the ACC's. Now, I think Louisville takes football more seriously than Purdue does. Um, Both are basketball schools at their core, uh, but I think Louisville cares a little bit more about football than Purdue. I I think Brom is a really good pass coach. I I think his play calling sometimes leans a little bit too heavily um, to the pass. It's going to be interesting to see. And I think Louisville definitely has a better NIL program than Purdue. Um, I, I think you saw that in play when you, when you look at, at, at Louisville's incoming recruiting class. I, I wonder if it's going to stay together. But you know, they had one of the best running backs in the nation, a kid, Reuben Owens, from Texas, for God's sake, hmm. is committed to Louisville because of NIL money. So wow. that's, well, I shouldn't wink, wink, nudge, nudge NIL money. So <laughs> it, it's going to be interesting to see how, how Brom uh, is able to recruit to Louisville. I think he's a good coach. Uh, and it makes sense, and I think, if nothing else, Louisville's going to have a much better passing attack in the next couple of years. Does that affect Purdue when the head coach leaves and they they put in the pseudo-interim head coach? Does that have any play in this bowl game, you think? Oh, I think so. Plus, well, the, the weird thing is the, the interim head coach is Brom's brother. Wow. So um, I'll be interested in seeing who calls plays because – Jeff Brom is the play caller, uh, so somebody else is going to have to do it at Purdue. Mm-hmm. Um, my presumption is when all is said and done, 
Um, Brahms, one of his brothers is director of football ops. The other is the offensive coordinator who doesn't call plays. I think both those guys end up at Louisville. Uh, Brian Brom, the, yeah. the interim coach, was also a really good college quarterback at Louisville. So um, hmm. I, I think it impacts uh, Purdue. I think the bigger impact at Purdue is my presumption is does Charlie Jones play in the game, the leading receiver in the Big Ten? Does yeah. Aiden O'Connell play in the bowl game? Uh, a senior quarterback who has some NFL potential. If both those guys play, LSU is in for – those two dudes can play. They, they were high school buddies as well. Charlie Jones is he, – he's a perfect example. You know, Jaden Daniels is a good example of what the portal can mean to a player. Charlie right. Jones is the ultimate example. 21 catches in two seasons at Purdue – I'm sorry, at Iowa, over 100 this year at Purdue, wow. he goes from a, oh, he'll sign an NFL free agent contract to this dude could go in the fourth round. So yeah. um, hmm. Purdue's defense has some players. Um, Purdue's best offensive lineman, though, already has said he's transferring. I don't think he's going to play. So the, the Purdue-LSU game, you know, if, if all of LSU's players play and all of Purdue's players play, it's a really, good, it's a really interesting game. I just okay. don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, we'll see. How does Iowa? You, I, just this, it just hit me when you said that. How does Iowa get anybody? How do they recruit anybody on offense? Uh, that's you know that's Cade McNamara, who led Michigan to the playoff last year uh, as a starting quarterback, lost his job this year. Already announced last week, I'm going to Iowa, <sighs> and I don't want to disparage the kid, but. Dude, what are you thinking? Why? Have you not seen this team play? Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe there's some behind-the-scenes machinations going on that Ferentz is going to get rid of his son and all that kind of stuff. But if you watch Iowa on a weekly basis, it makes you want to go blind because they are <laughs> so they're inept on offense, unimaginative on offense, 1980s-esque. On yes. offense, the flip side, their special teams are awesome, and their defense is elite. Yeah. Their offense is garbage. Right. Um, and the interesting thing about that, they've already had two wide receivers enter the portal. Two former four-star recruits have already said we're leaving. Yeah, um, so you're sort of, you sort of wonder who McNamara is going to be throwing to. I get the, I get the analogy. Though. Interesting, also, Mike, that... Kirk Ferentz has been extremely anti-portal, sort of like to the extent that that uh, Dabo is anti-portal. Last yeah. week, though, in advance of Cade McNamara, Kirk Ferentz said, "You know something? The portal gives you tons of opportunities to change your <laughs> roster." And you're like, really? You finally really? figured that out? So, you know, maybe maybe there's going to be a sea change at Iowa offensively. But if it's the same coaches next year, I feel bad for Kate McNamara. Kugan on three dot com. I get the idea that Purdue's one of those teams that they just play hard. They don't they don't make many mistakes. It's just typical Midwest get down, get after it kind of a team. Would that would that be accurate? Yeah, they're they're, they're a gritty, gutty team. Though so the one mm. difference is. Brom loves to throw the ball. Um, I think that if, in a perfect world, if Jeff Brom never ran the ball in a game, he'd be perfectly fine with that. Um, they are they're far more pass oriented uh, than most Big Ten teams, other than Ohio State. Um, okay. They throw the ball effectively. 
Um, they're, you know, David Bell was their leading receiver last year in NFL now. Their presumptive number one receiver flunked out, which is one reason Charlie Jones is a 100-catch guy. Um, mm-hmm. They have another, another Iowa transfer, too, Tyrone Tracy, who's actually not bad either. So um, they're a tough team, a physical team, but you do wonder about um, are they going to rally you know, our coach is gone, but so what? Or if they're, man, our coach left, who cares? So that's, right. that's mindset is always know. important in a yeah. bowl game. And a lot of Power 5 schools, I think, don't really care anymore. Be a lot of changes. they got new coaches that uh, got got uh, Fickle at Wisconsin. You've got Rule at Nebraska. Now you're going to have a new coach at Purdue. So all within the same division. We'll see P.J. Flex signs another contract extension. He's going to be at Minnesota through 2029. I expected more from him. You know, row, row, row the boat. Um, are they getting better? Is he, has yeah, he done I think, a good I mean, job they're, they're at Minnesota? Yeah, I mean, they're 8-4 this year. Um and the fact that Minnesota is in the hunt for the Big Ten West title almost annually now. Um, no, they haven't won it, and that is a failing. But at the same time, it's Minnesota. So yeah. I think Fleck, his, his, you know, some people think his enthusiasm is a shtick. Others say, no, that's the way he is, and he rubs people the wrong way, including some other coaches. But for wow. the most part, he knows the kind of players he has. Um, and they play hard, and they're defense-minded, and they're physical. Um, and you know, Mo Ibrahim, that dude is a phenomenal running back, and he and he's a 1,500-yard rusher on a team that can't throw the ball. The, hmm. the one difference between Minnesota and Iowa, Minnesota at least tries to throw it; they just can't do it. So right. Right. Um, I think Fleck has turned Minnesota into a pretty solid program. They're an annual bowl team, and yeah. that to me is impressive. It's Minnesota. He's Mike Huguenin on 3.com. Um, what's going to be the better semifinal game to watch, Georgia versus Ohio State or Michigan versus TCU? You know, injuries are going to – you know, Michigan's missing its best player, Blake Corum. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in seeing how that works itself out. Um, and if Ohio State gets Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams back, I think the – Ohio State-Georgia game is going to be quite interesting. Hmm. Um, I think they can put a ton of pressure on Georgia's defense if those two running backs are there. Um, you know, Florida put some pressure on Georgia's defense. They, they're, the, they're the team that gained the most yards on Georgia, I think, until LSU. Um, hmm. They shut down Tennessee, but Tennessee's running game isn't as diverse as Ohio State's. Now, the difference, Ohio State's defense got shredded by Michigan without Corm, and you wonder what Georgia can do to that defense. But I also think Ohio State realizes we've been giving a, a gigantic mulligan here. Everyone's laughing at us. Let's use that as a motivating factor. Um, I actually think the TCU-Michigan game could be interesting as well because, again, no Blake Corm. Um, I, I think the TCU offense is interesting. Duggan's a gritty kid. Kendra Miller's a really good running back. Quentin Johnston is a stud receiver. Um, I'm not sure the TCU defense is physical enough, but uh, I think the grittiness of Max Duggan, I mean, that kid's got, you know, I sound like a 1950s guy. He's got grit and moxie, but he, he does. And TCU, they never seem to doubt themselves. 
And you as a former player probably realize how important that is because they get down, they're like, yeah, big deal, we've come back before, we'll just do it again. And maybe their faith was shaken a teeny bit by the Big 12 title game loss, though I think it's more a case of two bad play calls than anything else. But yeah, I think yeah. both I think both national semifinal games are going to be single-digit um, single games. That would be awesome. Mike Hugan and On3.com. This will be the ninth um, champion under the college football playoff format. Uh, the first year was in 2014. Ohio State won that. Of the eight playoff championship games, five of the eight have been to SEC teams. Of those um, five, Alabama's won three. Georgia's won one. LSU has won one. Of those College football playoff champions, 2014 Ohio State, 2015 Alabama, 2016 Clemson, 2017 Alabama, 2018 Clemson, 2019 LSU, 2020 Bama, 2021 Georgia. What was the best team out of those? I think the the LSU team was obviously uh, an offensive juggernaut. And also the one, one you know, Cardell Jones was not good in the NFL. But right. goodness gracious, those three games at the end of that season, he was—he was, he looked like a future Heisman winner. He sure did. Um, so, and you, you think about it, of all the quarterbacks who won a national title in the playoff era, um, Burrow obviously is, is, was a special talent, and he's yep. continuing to show that in the NFL. Um, you look at the quarterbacks in this year's playoff uh, i think mm-hmm. stroud is the best one of the four um does he have the surrounding talent specifically the surrounding talent on defense that that can get the job done but um and I, i'll be honest i think of the of the four quarterbacks in the playoff the least talented is stetson bennett and he already has mm-hmm. a national title ring so mm-hmm. uh, i think duggins like i said is is, is a good player i think that um McCarthy can be even better next year at Michigan, uh, and Bennett. We know what he is. He he doesn't make mistakes anymore. So, but I still think C.J. Stroud has by far the highest upside uh, of the of the quarterbacks in the playoff. And we'll see if they can protect him, and if he gets some help from his defense. Um, yeah, yeah, he may have the most upside. But of, of the four quarterbacks, I want I, I want that darn. TCU quarter. I want yeah. Duggan. He's just got that um, that never quit, never say die. Uh, I I just like the kid. I really and I, I'm with you. The emotion that he showed. I mean, it matters to him. He cares. Uh, I I just that goes a long way with me personally. Yeah, I mean, he, he, how can you not like that kid? Now, yeah. how can you not like Stetson Bennett? I mean, the guy's been doubted. Heck, yep. you had Georgia fans last year after he won the national title and announced he was coming back. We're like, God, get out of here, man! We don't want you here anymore. We got five star guys waiting. But That's right. I don't think those people are complaining anymore. His is a great story as well. Um, you know, small town kid from Southern Georgia. Um, you know, living his dream and flashing national title rings and smoking cigars, man. So. Yep. Um, he's a great story. Duggan's a great story. And you're right, the, the emotion Duggan showed, um, I guess some people made fun of him, including Caleb Williams. And I'm thinking, dude, why? What, his team sure looked a lot better than your team did. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I think that teammates, 
And not that they don't like playing with Stroud, McCarthy, and Stetson Bennett, but I think his teammates were like, this dude really cares, and that's yes. why I like playing with him. That goes a long way. I, I still think you're going to have to be really, really good to beat Michigan. There's something about that team. I don't know what it is. They're just tougher than nails. Um, you're going to be good to beat them, I think. Yeah, and one thing, think about the teams who are seated first and second. Um, not flashy offensively. Nope. Um, they they want to beat you into submission on both sides of the ball. Yep. Um, they're sort of a, they're sort of the bridge to this era of college football and the 1980s college yep. football. And you know, yeah. and yes, they both do some things offensively, especially Georgia with Munkin. But they are at their core, I think, 1980s football teams. Um, you know, it's like I said before, I think Jeff Braun would love it if he could play a whole game without throwing the ball. I think Harbaugh <laughs> and Kirby Smart would love it if they didn't have to throw it once. Wow. I, I told a story, and we'll let you go on this one. I told a story about a high school team in California, uh, Granada, Granada Hills Charter. They're in the state championship um State championship game. They have not completed a pass all season long. The, the starting quarterback is 0 for 2. The freshman backup is 0 for 5. The coach said, we ain't going to let you go 0 for 8. We're just going to run it and run it. And here they are playing for a state championship. And yeah, I don't and, think and, I've ever heard of that Georgia before in my Michigan, life. Here's what we do. You know, if you stop it, all the more power to you. We just don't think you can. Yeah. And obviously that, yeah. uh, that high school is the same way. There's a high school here in Florida, Apopka High, which is about 20 minutes from my house. They're playing for a state title. They run the single wing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Can't, you, it's hard for a coach to defend that because they don't know how to run it. No one, right, I think players, you put film on, Coach, what is that offense? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And Scout Squad, good luck trying to duplicate yes. it. Mike Hugan and On3.com. Have a great weekend. We'll talk hoops next week, all right? Excellent. Thank you, sir. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holberg Show for Hump Day with Hugan here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, time to roll out of here. Special thanks to our guest, Ali Cassell, Pelicans and the Pistons tonight. Pell's got to get the win. Adam Spencer, Saturday Down South. We talked a lot about SEC hoops. And Mike Huguenin from On3.com, all you need to know about college football. That was fun, fun, fun. If today is your birthday, December the 7th, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with former LSU baseball players, won two World Series titles, Ryan Terrio, 43 years old, uh, former St. Thomas Moore quarterback, former LSU quarterback. His son is now an LSU quarterback. Jamie Howard is 49 years old today. And the legend, Larry Bird, is 66 years old. The Hick from Frank Schleck. James Mesh, thank you so much. Thanks to all of you for listening in. Thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day. Tomorrow, the Schwab NFL picks. We don't have to pick the Saints, thank goodness. Until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, be kind, let's uh, be healthy, and be happy.
have a great day, everybody.